This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 14th, the second baby guilt edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's nine, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast, and I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, is four, and my son, Ami, is one. We are all finally back together. Yay! Thank you for sticking with us during our summer vacations and schedule changes. We've got a good question today to get us started that might sound familiar if you've got multiple kids. Then on Slate Plus, we're going to talk about a recent article on nacho parenting. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. And also, it's not like, okay, um, you're you're wiping your hands clean of, of all of the parenting it's like okay you step out of the room when this drama comes up but then you go and like make lunch for your stepkid or yes, you know yes. do their laundry so it's not like you have <laughs> no responsibilities in the house if you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other slate favorites consider signing up for slate plus you'll also get to listen ad free and get unlimited access to the slate website to sign up now go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus again that's slate.com slash mom and dad plus All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into our triumphs and fails of the week. And we're back. Let's start with you, Zach. Do you have a parenting win or a parenting fail for us this week? Yes. (laughs) Uh, I do have both of those things. We have been out of school slash daycare now for like five weeks. We went on a wonderful two and a half week trip and then got home and the kids got covid uh i i got covid while overseas you know we're just in another one of these gd quarantine bubbles where you just lose all sense of space and time and sanity um i know everyone has been through it um so you know what i'm talking about we are approaching the end of it right now and just in the last like week or so my daughter noah who's she's gonna be five next month she has just been melting down in ways that are uh that are unfamiliar to us she's she's just kind of uh feeling big feelings and being super annoying uh and it i i think you know my wife and i both think that it must just have to do with the lack of structure in her life over the last several weeks and, you know, hopefully she'll be going back to camp. She will be going back to camp next week. So hopefully that will solve the issue. I hope we're not kind of like stepping into a new development period for her where she's emoting the way she has been big time all the time, uh, like indefinitely. I think I think she's just going through a thing. But I think I heard Janet Lansbury talk about like how you can't try to come at your kids meltdowns with logic in the moment like you can't be like well this is ridiculous noah like you you haven't melted down like this in the past um for this reason like why are you doing it now like you just can't come at it with logic so i i just kind of had that in the back of my mind like and i often try to do it i it's foolishly try to like you know logic my way out of it with her and it has worked zero times out of a hundred 
So I was just thinking like, okay, he can't be logical. And then I just, the, the, the next thought in my head was stop making sense. Like, stop trying to make sense. Stop making sense. And then I'm like, oh my God, we need to watch the 1984 concert film from the Talking Heads. Stop making sense. I just need to put that on for Noah right now. And I put on Stop Making Sense. It's on YouTube. And somehow for the next 45 minutes, she and I were both transfixed. She loved it. I couldn't believe it. Um, she did have a meltdown shortly thereafter. So I didn't, I thought for a second, like, oh my God, talking heads will solve all my problems. They don't, but temporarily, uh, just like giving her some live music to look at. And we were just talking about all the different elements of the band. It was a short reprieve, um, but much needed. And it was nice to, to expose her to such important music. So, um, that was a, you know, a brief little triumph amid, um, the last couple of weeks of, of failures. Well, there's a lot of good music on YouTube, and Naima wasn't much older than that when she got addicted to New Edition. So now's <laughs> a good time for indoctrination. Yes. If, if you're so inclined. Yeah, I think you're right. My um, triumph is is music related. Okay. <laughs> Unbelievably. Yes. I never have music related stuff. Okay. We've been doing a lot of driving and the kids like typically are pretty good in the car. I feel like in the, in the van in particular, we have a lot of space and that's good. And they each kind of have their stuff that they do. But on this recent trip to Chicago, we were in a very small car. So three across in the back and the kids were making me completely insane and it was like henry wanted to only listen to taylor swift and somebody else wanted a podcast and da 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 da. and so i try to always tell them like hey my job is the driver like this is the most dangerous thing we do every day and i'm driving this car so like your entertainment is tertiary right but instead i turned around and i screamed sea shanties for everyone because i just decided i was done and i would make a decision i do not listen to sea shanties i don't know why it popped into my head but then of course i had to follow through so i turned on sea shanties and the car was silent silent for probably 45 minutes and i was like okay great we got where we wanted to go what are sea shanties is this a group this is no this is like a type of music in which they are reviving old songs from the seafaring days <laughs> and singing like, them. Like, like, oh, like whoa, ho, ho, yeah, oh, it's yeah, a yeah. pirate life for me. It's, it's exactly wow. like that. Yeah, okay. So we, a day later, get into the um, art museum and we are walking around the art museum and what does my beautiful five-year-old start screaming? Sing me the tea and rum song. Tea and rum, <laughs> tea and rum, tea and rum. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I'm like, hey, we can do that when we get to the car. Then he bursts out with another favorite. What do you do with a drunken sailor? I have essentially just given my children um, all sorts of language that is (laughs) not really appropriate for public spaces. (laughs) You know, a child running around saying, like, um, bring us tea and rum. And now they're all interested. And a bunch of them are about, like, capturing and dissecting whales there's one um that is apparently very popular on tiktok right now see i didn't know Mm. until then i because i just Mm. asked the phone to play sea shanties thinking like i'm going to best them all but now we are obsessed with sea shanties the children that is all they want to listen to they turn it on on the alexa all the time um we have learned all about what the wellerman is which was the supply ship that brought sugar and rum to ships um, in Australia, we also have hmm. learned about dissecting whales. So as usual, 
Um, something that went very well has led down a very bizarre path of which my children are now educated on. That's so should fun. you have questions about um, the days of whaling and, you know, tethering your ship to a whale and what does happen to a drunken sailor, my kids know. <laughs> Their face turns green, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, mine is a... Long time. I guess you know it's funny. I very well may have recommended the thing connected to my fail, and I'm not fully claiming it as a fail, but this is also like a plea for some help. Um, so when I'm driving, you know, and Naima's in the car and we're going more than, you know, 10 or 15 minutes away, it can get kind of boring for me if She's on a device and, you know, I can't really do my own music or podcast because I don't want to interrupt her. She doesn't usually have her headphones, which I guess I could also solve this, like, with just making her have her headphones. But, like, let's just say we don't have the headphones, okay? And I do kind of like it that she doesn't always have her headphones in her device so I can keep up with what she's listening to or watching. You yeah. know what I mean? Um So that can get pretty boring after a while. Um and so one of the things that we do in the car together to pass the time is playing Family Feud. Um, I enjoy the Family Feud game. It is fun. I do think I may have recommended it before. But, you know, I'm not saying we need to cut it out entirely. It's not always a family-friendly game. Sometimes, like, making whoopee is an answer, and it's so <laughs> awkward, you know. But, like, also, they're just things that, like, a nine-year-old kid wouldn't, you know— think about because she's never had a job or, you know, done the very adult-centric lifestyle things that Family Feud questions are often about. So anyway, my question to you all, audience uh, and co-hosts, I'm looking for an activity for the car that I can participate in. There's got to be some sort of game, like aside from us just listening to a good podcast or book together, which we do from time to time as well, but like if there's some sort of game or activity you know that we can play together while i'm driving i would really like to know about it what if, i mean the the license plate game has been a, a big hit lately around here with my kids which is just finding you know the license plates from all the states and having so them. Did you do that? <laughs> i may have a muscle car in which my child doesn't get oh, the best can't view. See, can't see. Can't see. Okay. So, so not seeing. You have a what muscle about, car, um, Jamila? I'm learning new things. Oh, I my gosh. My you were here during the whole car thing. It was oh, like, yes. like the entire podcast was involved <laughs> in Jamila <laughs> acquiring a Buying car. a car. It was a whole thing. That it was so a whole cool. thing. And then, it was, you know, we went through many finding the perfect car. Yes. It was also important for her LA situation. Life. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna need pictures, but I'm 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 sorry that was a digression. So yes, um, you've okay. the, she can't you can't play the license plate game. What about um, some kind of like act- activity card? So like Brain Quest makes some cards, and I think Lonely Planet makes some ones in the car. We do these, and the kids in the back like read out the stuff, mm-hmm. but then I'm participating too in the trivia or coming up with the answers or. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that, because that's more that's kind of yeah, like, like Family Brain Feud, Quest. except that this stuff is more geared at her kids. age. But I'm surprised how little of it I actually know. <laughs> you ever try to play interview where you ask her a question and then she can ask you a question? Oh, that's a and fun like, question. You can say like there's no I don't know if you want to say like no, no rules, because I don't know if there's something. You don't want to talk about, but like make it seem that like, you know, if she asks you like a a deep question, she's going to get an interesting response. 
That sounds fun. Thank you. Let us know if that works. I will. I feel like that could so easily either go great (laughs) or or be your next. Yeah, totally. She's like, let's play that again because I have some more questions. questions. Yeah, that could be a can of worms. You could call the game a can of worms. Yeah. Can of worms. A can of worms. I will report back on a can of worms. Uh, And thank you in advance, listeners, for any suggestions you may have. And we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll get into today's listener question. All right, we are back once again, and let's get into the listener question of the day. It's being read, as always, by the lovely Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, my son just turned two and got a new baby brother. We expected some transition, jealousy, maybe puzzlement from Julian, but not the parental guilt on my or my husband's end. I love this new baby, of course, but... I'm feeling some grief about not being a family of three anymore, and most especially that my son, who was the total center of attention, is now clearly struggling with the whole thing. Any tips or advice for us in navigating these feelings and changes? Second, baby guilt. Let's say you guys are repeat offenders. Who wants Mm -hmm. to go first? Zach, you've gone through it more recently. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I mean, second baby guilt, this guilt is very normal. As I often say. Um, and yeah, I mean, the the transition from one kid to two is so freaking massive. So it makes sense that this is bringing up a lot of these, these feelings. And what I would say is just have these conversations and be open about your guilt. It's totally normal. And suppressing it does nothing but hurt. Um And I find, I mean, this is true with like any kind of like guilty territory that we parents feel. I find when I hear people talk about it, it makes me feel so much better and less alone because, oh yeah, I'm not a monster for for having those same thoughts. So talk to your older kid about this transition. Talk Talk to them about how much you still love them and that, you know, it's it's not so easy to be like a big sibling. They didn't ask for it. But also just know, like all these periods of in our in our family life, like it's temporary. Everyone's gonna get used to it um in a way that they're not now because it is just so new. I I agree that like it's so normal. And in fact, when I read this question, I went back to like being in tears as I was going into labor. And what I was Mm. upset about was this idea that like everything is changing. Mm -hmm. Um, But looking back, I also think this is a time in which you get to help your child and perhaps help yourself navigate one of these life changes and model for them like how we go through these because sometimes there are things like babies that we know are coming right sometimes there are things that we don't know and i think some of that is that expectation management so giving yourself grace that like it's okay that you feel guilty but you can also i think start to try to reframe that when you feel that guilt saying you know this is kind of a new phase. And that if I spend all this time looking back at how things were, I'm going to feel guilty. And I'm projecting on a situation that I didn't know, you know, that I don't know. You don't know that things would be better or easier or that your child, you know, would like it more in the present moment if you didn't have this other 
child. But what you do know is that now they have a sibling and you have this opportunity to be a family of four. And and kind of what joys, challenges, things do that bring moving forward? I, I think it's a good time to remind yourself, too, that the time with your kids is like way more about quality than it is about quantity. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you can make sure that you are still giving your first child this quality but you're also getting to teach him these skills of like how to be a big sibling and how to now be, um, you know, not the youngest member of a family. Like, I think all of these are exciting things to, to watch them learn and grow and acknowledging the guilt, I think, is important, whether that's with your spouse or um, partner, whoever, your friends, like saying, I feel really guilty about this, um, even though I know that I don't have to feel guilty. Like, I do feel guilty I because those are real feelings that we have to deal with and spending a lot of time saying like, I feel guilty. And now I feel bad that I feel guilty because I have this new baby. You know, there's like, this is a big spiral. Just I give yourself a chance to, to adjust to this and set up some good routines. I think there's, we get asked a lot about adding um, children into the family. And I think if you can help this older sibling get some new roles, make sure they're still having quality time with you, whether that's that you put the baby down and then do story. If you guys, if you still do bath time with the big kid, whatever that is, making sure they're still getting that quality time. And then also making sure that they're getting some jobs and quality time with, you know, your partner and with the baby and with with all these other people that are going to be around you. This is also a great time to ask for help. I feel like when you have a baby, there's a lot of people that want to help. And this is a great time to let your kid have some time with other adults in your life that either have older children or, you know, don't have children and have the energy to go do some fun stuff that you couldn't do with a baby. Like, there's so much ample opportunity to let your now two-year-old go do some things like as a big kid or have them watch the baby and you go take them to do do some things. You know, the first time you go play putt-putt or, or whatever it looks like for you that's kind of fun with you and and the big sibling. I remember a listener wrote in with a suggestion um, a while ago when something similar came up, but like in a moment where both of your kids need you at the same time, like very explicitly opt for your older kid first and show them that they can, that it's not always about the baby. And just like in a micro moment like that, I think it's a good, it's a good practice just to demonstrate that the older one is still very much a priority. I would just add, you know, I don't have experience with multiple children, but in my observation, you know, in my experience of being a sibling and, you know, watching my daughter have a sibling, I think it's really important that children get one-on-one time with their parents, no matter what the layout of a family and the larger family can, you know, get the harder that can be logistically. But I think it's really important. And so I think it's important for your little one um, during this transitional time that he feels very grounded in his relationship to each of his parents. And one way to do that is to make sure that you're getting some one-on-one time. Absolutely. I think, you know, some of the guilt too is like fear. If I, I don't, if you think back of like the, the way your life changed when you didn't have kids, <laughs> having your kids, like this is kind of that same thing. Like you did that. And you're going to do this, too. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I at least didn't spend a lot of time after having the first kid feeling guilty that I wasn't still, like, out doing these things. Like, I miss those things, but I didn't (laughs) feel like, I'm so guilty that I'm not out with my girlfriends because I'm home here. You know, those sort of things. I think if you can give yourself that same kind of grace of, like, my life has has changed a little bit and and that's going to change. I don't know. I... 
Jamil, I imagine too that you you actually had kind of a different perspective even because you watched your daughter get a sibling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it definitely over the years has required adjustment. You know, I think when she was, they're only maybe 18 months apart. So she was young when it happened. But, you know, as she's gotten older, there's feelings of resentment at times or, you know, how she fits into the family or, you know, um, who's the favorite kid, which I think is, you know, normal. And I would imagine that any child that's born first has to deal with the idea of now sharing someone or someone's Mm -hmm. that, you know, they didn't have to share before. All right, Letter Writer, we hope that that was helpful. Um, And we are also always very happy for updates. So if you'd like to give us one... um, then please send it along. Anyone else, if this rings true for you, if you have some advice of your own to share with Second Baby Guilt, pass it along. You can send us an email at slate.com or you can send us a voice memo, which we might even play on the show. That's also where you can send us any other questions you have, as well as advice requests of your own. That is it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday, so be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review us on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Christy Taiwo Macanjola. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. Recently, we came across a very interesting article on today's website that's all about the idea of nacho parenting for blended families. For those of you who haven't read it, can Elizabeth, can you get us up to speed on what nacho parenting is? Yeah, okay, so the parenting technique is that when you blend a family— if you are not the one that brought those children into this new family, it is not your problem. <laughs> and so it it basically says to just stay out of the parenting, that it is not your job to parent the kids that are not yours, and that that should be your partner's responsibility and your responsibility should be the children that you brought in, which this article is full of examples of people being like, I got along great with my mm-hmm. partner's children. We got, we either got married or we moved in together, whatever that is. Now we're all here and there's some, you know, kids are coming and going or they're all there. And when I get involved with the children that are not, that I did not bring with me, right. um, things get really bad. And when mm-hmm. I literally, I mean, some of these parents advise when there is a conflict or an issue, they physically leave. Like, mm-hmm. like this is literally not my problem. Now, now I do think that means that they are they are not not supporting their partner, but none of that is done in front of the kids, right? Like, right. I mean, a couple of these people found this technique because they were going to get divorced. Like, they had they had dated, courted each other, got got married, and now have all these kids, and things were so tense that they just thought, forget it, we're we're going to get divorced. Um, and this strategy, they say, relieved that pressure entirely. And I imagine it takes some real restraint, especially at first, going into a relationship, thinking that I'm going to be the best step parent. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to be there for them just like their parent. But like, no, nacho parenting really um, is asking you to take a step back, take a pause, leave the room, like you're saying. And I imagine the adjustment is is real. But once you can kind of get into that rhythm of of stepping back, Sounds sounds like a, 
a solid approach. Yeah, I, you know, I had, at first glance, it's kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. They nacho kids, you know, like, that's so harsh. But, you know, uh, at the core of it is the idea that because you don't have the sort of emotional connection to these children yet, you don't have the history that, that they have with their biological parents, that when you are a part of discipline, you know, or negative interactions, it's easy to code you as negative. Um, that's who you become mm-hmm. to the child. And, you know, and that's not going to build a good relationship between the two of you. Um, it's I'll, so I'll read the base, some of the uh, few tips from the Nacho Parenting website. Um, treat the stepkid as you would a friend's kid. Allow the bio parent to parent their own kid as they deem fit. Do not engage in negative and unhealthy interactions with the stepkids. Say nothing about or to the stepkids unless it's sheer praise. Remove the target off your back and no longer be the bad guy. Like, honestly, you know, I think the age of the children also has a lot to do with this. You know, like if you're integrating a step parent into a very like Naima's stepmom's been in her life basically since the beginning. So, you know, like it would be bizarre for her to do this because <laughs> like, the baby is crying and there's nothing I can do. Yeah, that's so not my baby. <laughs> not your, my, you know, not your baby. Not you baby. know. But if but if I were to introduce, you know, when I, God willing, um, when I introduce Naima to somebody that I'm serious with at some point, um, you know, I could certainly imagine that it would take some years to build up the sort of relationship you would want to have with somebody where they can truly correct you, you know, and there's a difference between, you know, the sort of correction you might. Get. I mean, even a teacher comes with this particular kind of guaranteed respect yeah you know of for their authority and this kind of idea that i'm supposed to have a teacher in my life a teacher is here to guide me i require a teacher you don't necessarily require a step parent you know um right. whether you have both your parents around or not because you've been parented up until this point and so the idea of this person being essential you know or truly an authority figure to you uh, really wouldn't make a lot of sense. So I don't know. I might be on board with nacho parenting. I mean, I always imagined that like having a partner meant that I would have someone to, um, you know, help me parent. But I, you know, I, I think that what that would look like probably would be more so about, you know, being somebody that I can confide in and, you know, helping me think through things before I make decisions. But I mean, I can't imagine me telling some poor man to try and, you know, tell Naima she's got to go to bed. Like, <laughs> why? Go yeah. So put Naima to bed. Like, why are we doing this? My initial response was also like, wait, what? So now you're in a house, but like the other person is solely responsible for the children. And also it's not like, okay, um, you're, you're wiping your hands clean of, of all of the parenting. It's like, okay, you step out of the room when this drama comes up, but then you go and like make lunch for your stepkid or, yes, you know, yes. do their laundry. So it's not like you have no responsibilities in the house. You, there's, you can still, it seems to me, you know, take play, take part in, in, in much of the kind of logistical um, hard work of parenting, but just kind of, you know, step, step out for the, um, you know, the emotion 
emotional negotiation stuff. It's kind of like being a grandparent. Do all the lovey stuff, the lovey the fun, fun stuff. stuff. <laughs> like, you used to be um, Disney dad. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? And I, I, I would imagine that even if, you know, say you are a single mother, and I know a few who are completely, you know, raising a child by themselves, and that for you, the idea, or if you're a single father raising a child by yourself, you're a person raising a child alone, that your idea of partnering or your, you know, your thought behind partnering with somebody is that you would also be introducing another parent into the family. Mm-hmm. Um I would imagine that starting Nacho is probably the best way to get there. You know what I mean? Like that over time, once this person has warm Christmas memories and all the time the two of us were out and we had a flat tire and we had so much fun waiting for AAA, you know, and it was just us. Like now that we've got that history behind us, you're sitting there when I get grounded. I don't feel like, well, 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 you know, of course you show up, (laughs) you know, know? It's like, oh, okay, this is pretty serious because Bill's here. And, you know, now things are a little, you know, like where I'm in a position where I can receive correction from him. And it still probably should primarily be coming from your biological parent. Well, I want to know if anyone's nacho parenting. Yeah. <laughs> and how it's working. We would love to hear some stories of nacho parenting. Um, I think in a not great way, there's a lot of nacho parenting that does happen with blended families because people just have that attitude that mm, it's not my, those it's aren't not, my it's kids. It's not a conscious choice. Yeah, that's not necessarily an intentional, like I'm trying to create the most respectful, healthy environment for the kid, but just a sense of disconnect. You know, I think mm. we've heard some of those stories told over the years in the media. Um, but I'd be curious to hear from any families that are intentionally not your parenting or who have found that, you know, in one way or another, having a step parent take a, you know, a bit of a backseat when it comes to matters of authority has been yeah. helpful. You know, and if you found that this isn't the way to go and that, you know, introducing the step parent as the full member of the team from day one worked for you, we'd like to hear that, too. We just want to hear anything. We just like to talk to you. So send us a message at momanddadatslate.com. Thank you so much for your support of Slate Plus. We truly appreciate you. Be sure to join us on Monday for a regular show and on Thursday for another bonus segment. Take care. <laughs>